Hello and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast, a series of healthy conversations with influential hustlers. I'm your host, Madeline Carafa. You know those people who light up every room? It's like from the moment you meet them, you're so drawn to their energy, warmth and their charisma. Well, that's exactly how I felt about today's guest, Rhiannon Tracy. We were connected by a mutual friend, Amara, as we're both doing well with. And as soon as I heard Rhiannon's inspiring story, I knew I had to get her on the show to share her light with you. In 2019, just a few months off turning 21, Rhiannon dived into a swimming pool in Bali. And in that moment, her life changed forever. She suffered a spinal cord injury and Rhiannon was diagnosed as a C5 quadriplegic and given very little hope of ever walking again. And as if that wasn't enough, Rhiannon's emergency surgery was delayed by nine hours due to a horrific earthquake, deserted in a Balinese hospital only moments from death. Rhiannon had to have two nurses flown over from Australia under travel insurance and they treated her for the huge amounts of water in her lungs. Finally, two weeks after, she was flown to an Australian hospital and underwent two more life-saving surgeries. Today, Rhiannon is a motivational speaker, a model, a resilience and wellness coach, and the founder of Next Step Spinal Recovery. In 2012, Rhiannon was awarded the Young Australian of the Year Award, and in 2016, Cosmopolitan named her Game Changer Woman of the Year, an outstanding role model and a true inspiration. Rhiannon's story, her phenomenal attitude and her positive approach will give you such a fresh perspective and a new appreciation for life. The absolute definition of an inspiration. Here's Rhiannon. Lovely Rhiannon. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. I'm so excited to be joined by you today. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm usually like, woo, it's Friday Eve, but like it's Friday Eve and we're in lockdown. We can't really do much, can we? <laughs> I feel you, sister. I feel you so much. I'm like, oh my goodness. Crazy. Yeah, it's interesting times to be a Victorian, but that's okay. We're keeping the spirits high, aren't we? <laughs> oh, it's so annoying to say we're used to this or we shouldn't be used to this, but you know, we just, we're just continuously riding that wave, aren't we? So true. Yep. It's just the nature of the beast at the moment. So um, all doing our best to, to stay positive. But I would love to start the conversation by finding out if you have like a non-negotiable or maybe a little ritual that you use to really set the tone for your days. I absolutely do have a ritual. Well, when I say absolutely, it really just depends on whether my dogs and my cat are awake yet because my morning routine or ritual is to make the bed every day without fail. For me, it just sets the tone for achievement and accomplishment first up, straight up. So I make my bed and then I have my lemon water because Again, like it really just sets the tone and then it, it makes me enjoy my coffee more because I feel like my coffee is like my treat or my reward for doing those things. I'm like a gold star type of person. I remember like when I was a kid and I used to like sleep in my own bed consecutively, my mum had like a star chart. So whenever I had like seven stars, I'd get a treat. So for me, it's like make the bed, have the lemon water, then the coffee's the reward and I can't human without the coffee. So 
Oh my goodness. So I have started making my, I say started, that sounds so bad because I'm like 30, nearly 32, but I went through a really bad stage of not making my bed, especially when I first had my daughter and I just totally let the morning take control of me rather than me taking control of the morning. So one thing I implemented as a non-negotiable was making the bed. And you're so right. It, honestly, like the amount of times in the day where I might feel like I've achieved nothing and I'm getting nowhere and I look at the bed and it's made and I'm like, hang on, I've achieved yes. something. I made the bed. <laughs> I am, and I'm the type of person too that like if I've got a hundred things going on in my head and my space is cluttered, it makes my hundred things become like a thousand things. So I'm kind of like, I can't fold the washing and put the washing away because I need to have it sitting on the bed for me to be able to do that. And if the bed's messy, I'm just like, Oh, I'm very like ADHD like that. Like I'm just, yeah, if I've got a clean space, my mind's clear. I totally agree with that. It is. It's that the clearer space creates a clearer mind. You're so right. And exactly what you said, it just like amplifies everything if you're trying to do things in a cluttered space. So yeah, I love that you you have the bed making as well because it's it's (laughs) definitely setting such a nicer tone for my day. It's like, and it's so, such a simple thing. Like making, and I love getting into it at night, mate. It's so much better. (laughs) It's so good. Just piggybacking off getting into it, but like getting up out of bed and then opening the blind and having like the sunshine and the light come in. I tried to do the whole like sleeping with a blind open and wake up with the sunrise thing when I was like, nah, I live on like, I live in the suburbs, my street's busy. So it's like I'm waking up to people walking their dogs and I'm just like, nah, they can see straight in. I'm like, yeah, probably not a good idea. So do you have a little healthy habit that's really been keeping your hustle healthy lately I know you're you're a go-getter you're you're always working hard so is there something that's really helping to keep your health on track health and anxiety and mindset go hand in hand so for me I am really trying to focus on less screen time so less time on the phone less time scrolling on the apps I heard a quote from I think it was another podcast a while ago that Imagine having all the people that are on your social media, like in your bedroom at night. So like not sleeping with your phone near your bed. And I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Because when you are consistently hearing your phone going off, your automatic response is to pick it up and to see what's going on. And I was like, I've got quite a few friends and followers. Imagine having all of those, you know, in your room because when your phone's going off, they're in your mind. So for me, it's less screen time. It's no phone in the bedroom at night and also because I'm very prone to hitting the snooze button in the morning. So I find that if my phone's in my kitchen, I actually have to get up. Then I have to turn my alarm off. By the time I do that, I'm like, okay, I'm up. Wow, that is so cool. I've never like heard of, I guess, that thought process before. And I love that. It's such a cool mindset shift to make to be able to like switch off from that world and those people and go inwards in, like before bed instead of allowing to have that clutter in your mind. Uh, I think the disconnect is so important to end your day. Like, I just think that. It's just so, so, so important to be able to give yourself that time and space, like you said, just to go inward and just to really kind of clarify your mind. I'm also big on having like a notebook next to my bed as well so that I can just brain dump as well because I'm also one of those people that will be lying in bed and like it'll be 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, oh, I've got this idea or I need to do that. And for me, if I hold that in and I don't actually brain dump on that notepad, then forget about it. So they're my little um, 
my ways of really kind of controlling how my days progress and how my mind works. They're really powerful little hacks as well and so easy to implement into your daily life. So I love that. Do you have a book that you've either read or listened to that's changed the game for you when it comes to your mindset, like had a really positive impact on your mind and the way that you think? I read over the Christmas break The Five Second Rule, Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins, I think it is. Um, And so I'm the queen of procrastination. (laughs) I'm the queen of I'll do it later or I won't work out today, I'll work out tomorrow. And that for me was I found really raising my anxiety because and my guilt as well because if I didn't do it, I feel guilty or I feel anxious leading up to having to do it because it was like another thing that I had to do. And the whole kind of mantra or mentality around the five-second rule is that if you think it and you do it in that time, it'll get done because our reaction time is a lot quicker than our action time. So... It's been a bit of an awakening for me this year, just implementing that, literally being like, oh, I've got to email that person, so I'm going to do it now. Like, or I've got to do this, so I'm going to do it now. And you just get it done. And it comes back to that kind of end of the day, being able to get in bed and feel like you've accomplished and you've achieved things because you've done it in that amount of time that you've thought about it so love that book and I'm a big um wow I need to read that oh you do I'll give it to you when you come to Geelong oh my god seriously I'm like you I'm the queen of procrastination yeah (laughs) I'll do it tomorrow I'll do it tomorrow and then someone's like oh have you done that nah I was gonna do it a week ago (laughs) yeah so I'm somebody who generally has like a non-fiction and a fiction book going on at the moment so I'm reading um the Practical Magic is one of my favourite movies. So I'm reading Alice Hoffman's or Elise Hoffman. I don't know. I always pronounce authors' names wrong. I'm reading her prequels series to Practical Magic. So that's amazing too. Love those. Oh, and would you recommend that? Yeah, if you love like, you know, the woo-woo world and you love a bit of magic and a bit of imagination, then absolutely. Love it. Love magic. I love magic so much. (laughs) It's so good. Um, And now I guess for anyone who is unfamiliar with your journey, can you give us a little sneak peek into you? Uh, For me, I guess my new life started 12 years ago. So I dove into a swimming pool in Bali in September of 2009, so two months before my 21st birthday. I broke my neck and my back and I instantly became a quadriplegic. So in a nutshell, life as I knew it was literally stripped away from me. I survived an earthquake in Bali the same night as well as surviving just, or I should say barely surviving, the medical care in Indonesia as well. So should have been evacuated from the country quite quickly, had travel insurance, all the things, but um, got stuck in the country for about three weeks and was literally like taking my last breath before I was brought back to Australia. So the long and short of it was I pretty quickly made the decision that recovery was going to be my only option. And recovery for me at that point was I was going to walk again because that was all I was thinking about and being – 20 and having goals and aspirations and things I wanted to do walking seemed like that was the only way around being able to do those things 
totally forgot about, you know, all the little things that we take for granted as able-bodied people, like independence for a start. Like at that point, completely paralyzed from the neck down, couldn't brush my teeth, couldn't eat on my own. So it was a constant emotional roller coaster and battle with pretty much everybody within the hospital environment and um, the medical field telling me what I couldn't do. It was never about what I could do. It was always what I couldn't do. And I've never really thrived. Actually, no, I shouldn't say that I've never thrived on the word no, because I think no has given me more motivation to thrive. Um, so consistently I was being told no and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just not going to take no for an answer. So I've spent pretty much the last 12 years working my way around recovery from my spinal cord injury and broadening that word itself because for me 12 years on, recovery isn't about walking, it's about being able to have a quality of life and I've really realised that there's a difference between having a life and living a life. So I've been on, I guess, this journey of finding my purpose in the world, which, you know, I think a, a lot of us experience at some point. What I have experienced or what I did experience pretty early on with having this injury was that there was absolutely no options for people who wanted to go on that re- recovery journey. So I opened my own health and wellbeing centre that specialises in spinal cord injury recovery and recovery for people with neurological disorders because I was collecting all this information as I was dipping my toes in, you know, what was available and I was travelling back and forth overseas and having to fundraise to do that every time because there was no funding for somebody with my injury. There was no NDIS or anything back then. So I just wanted to create a place for people to come that could provide hope, could provide support and options above all things. And from that, I've been able to experience things within this life that I never would have imagined that I would be experiencing or participating in prior to having my injury. And it's been something that I'm really, really grateful and feel blessed to have been able to experience I use the word experience so many times but I'm asked all the time you know like if I could go back and change what happened to me would I and you know people think I'm crazy when I say I probably wouldn't because you know how my injury happened was doing something that I would do all the time just literally dove into a swimming pool that was meant to be deep but shallow and it's really given me a reason to get out of bed every single day because I feel like my life is an absolute adventure and I've just met the most incredible people and I've just had the privilege of being able to be a part of, you know, so many different communities and so many different niches and being able to create a place that not only provides a reason for me to get out of bed but it provides hope and a reason for a whole community to get out of bed every day. And yeah, I'm just really blessed. (laughs) Oh my God, you're incredible. I'm literally got tears in my eyes. Like you're amazing. And you've obviously so truly found your purpose on this planet and, you know, why you're here. And I just think that's so incredible to think that you're taking an experience, which is an experience that's completely changed your life forever, but you've taken it in such a positive way to, you know, allow other people that are going through that to have a positive experience as well. For me, creating this space has been, I've created 
something that I craved so much prior to my injury as well. Like I've created a family. So like I don't have a very strong family dynamic. My family is is very much spread up or spread around the country. And I come from a broken family as such. My parents separated when I was quite young. So, you know, I haven't really had close relationships with cousins and things like that. So for me, I feel like I've actually got this really strong family dynamic of people around me that we support one another, we're teammates. It's just so much more. It's really hard to put in words how much I love what I have created and how proud I am. And I think it's only really been in the last kind of 12 months that I've really, and and that's probably thanks to COVID and being locked down and experiencing that ride with my whole team, that I've really come to realise why I'm so in love with my space and, yeah, what I've been able to create from something so negative. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the business side of things, you know, and what your everyday looks like there and how you're able to build that into the centre that it is today. (laughs) Uh, Look, I still have no idea how I did it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so my background prior to my injury was very, very different. So I left school at 16 had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So I decided to become a hairdresser because that just seemed like the thing that all my girlfriends were doing at the time. I lasted about, oh, I'm going to say about nine months doing that because I just found it was as much as I've all, I love hair and beauty, even to this day, it was just not my thing. I just, I just wasn't feeling it. So I had grown up around animals and I'd always loved animals. So I decided that I wanted to be a veterinary nurse. That's what I was doing kind of right up until the day I had my accident and I loved it. I absolutely was obsessed with it. It was very emotionally challenging, but um, it was something that I knew that I was good at and I knew that, again, like I, I throw around the word purpose all the time. I felt like my job was so much more than just a job. So yeah, doing these things and then diving, <laughs> diving, no pun intended, into the world that I'm in now. Um, you know, I say that what I do, I do because I really didn't have any any other options. Like I wasn't able to go back to doing what I was doing before I had my accident. I'm a quadriplegic, so I don't have the fine motor skills. Well, I probably could do it now. But back then, you know, I didn't have the dexterity or the fine motor skills. I was in an electric wheelchair. So being able to go back to veterinary nursing was not going to happen. So I not only needed a job, but I needed somewhere that I could go for my own recovery because going back and forth from Australia to America, because in America was options, whereas here we're, we're pretty advanced, but we're also pretty far behind when it comes to research and things like that. Um, It was costing my family so much money and, you know, I was having to live with the fact that, you know, my family were like my stepdad at the time was working like 100 hours a week because we needed to pay for my new life. We needed to pay for wheelchairs. We needed to pay for home modifications and things like that. So, you know, I needed a job. (laughs) So for me and my mum, it all started when we actually went for an an outpatient visit back to the rehabilitation facility that I was at for seven and a half months. Um, We were walking through the gymnasium, which is somewhere that we were every single day when I was an inpatient. 
And we had been to this facility overseas in America that was literally just like a massive gym that was completely inclusive. It had adapted equipment. It had a team of exercise physiologists that had a different mindset to what we were experiencing in Australia. And the vibe was just so incredibly high that when we were walking through the gymnasium at this point, we could really feel that everybody was sad, everybody was depressed, everybody was doing the same thing over and over again, and nobody had hope. So we decided that we were going to open a facility. And I still remember the conversation because we were just like, we need to do this, don't know how we're going to do it. There's no money in the bank. We want to do it for the families that we've met and, you know, the people that need access to these things. And from there on, we decided to create a not-for-profit organisation. So we registered our not-for-profit, I think, in 2011 or 2012. We fundraised for two years, so we held some pretty extravagant fundraisers. My mum has a background in event management. She used to own, like, a wedding and event management company um so we were holding these extravagant fundraisers and walkathons to raise all this money so that we could build roots we could actually have our foundation and um, even though the place we were going to in america was amazing we still knew what things it lacked so we knew that we wanted to create a facility mm. that was a bit of a one-stop shop because in the early days of my injury, we were traveling so much to access all these resources, all these options that we were getting burnt out just because of the travel. So we knew that whatever we did or yeah. whatever this facility was going to be was going to be a place that incorporated many of the things that we had sourced ourselves. And, um, yeah, so my mum actually closed up her business and ran the facility. Facility opened in 2014, March 2014. And um, my mum worked for, I think, the first 12 months. She pretty much ran the facility without a wage or anything because it was all about, you know, just getting the people in and giving them options and being a not-for-profit. We had no capital behind us. So it was literally like the staff's wages were the client's fees, And then, you know, about a year in, I had a conversation with my mom where I just kind of said, you know what, like my mom at that point was like a disability support worker. She was my full-time carer. She was running the facility full-time. She was so engulfed in this injury and this community that I actually felt like, you know, the apron strings needed to be cut a little bit and she needed to have her life and I needed to have my life. So I took over in 2016 2015 2016 and again no business experience whatsoever it's been on the job training for me I was lucky because we do being a not-for-profit organization we have a board of directors so you know I had some guidance there I actually had a mentor in this beautiful man that became part of our family within our facility around the time that I took over as well so he was a great mentor for me And it's just really been learn as you go. And if I don't know it, I find that information and there's very clear transparency within my team. So I've had the same team now for, you know, five or six years and it's not a job for them either. It's their passion and it's their vibe as well. So 
just having that transparency and really growing a business together, all in our individual roles, but as a team as well. Again, if we don't know something, we work together to find that information. And last year was a great opportunity to educate myself in so many different things, like all these grants and all these things we had to do as business owners to try and keep our businesses afloat. It was like, whew, I don't think I've ever, like I was so mentally exhausted throughout COVID. Everyone was, you know, I'm bored and, you know, there's not enough to do. There's not enough cleaning. And I was like, I am not bored, but my brain is so fried. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just been a huge learning yeah, experience. Now I wear so many hats, so I've got my business and then, you know, I'm a keynote speaker and I do, you know, modelling and things like that. So everything I do, I do because there was either not somebody who was uh, doing it (laughs) in the sense of, you know, my influencing Mm -hmm. around the disability community and the modelling side of things, or I do it just because it needs to be done. (laughs) And that's what it all kind of comes down to. Like I'm just out here kind of filling the gaps. We'll be right back after this healthy break. Are you stuck for healthy, fuss-free dinner options the whole family will enjoy? Well, don't worry, I have you covered. Head to thehealthyhustlers.com and download my free fuss-free recipes that include nourishing chicken risotto, a creamy tuna mornay, and loaded vegetable and chicken bolognese. These are staples on our weekly menu because they're so easy, delicious, and healthy. I also love cooking a batch on a Sunday and freezing them into individual portion sizes to use for mine and George's lunches. These recipes have been designed with busy hustlers in mind, so they're packed with nourishing and whole food ingredients to support your health and well-being goals. Head to thehealthyhustlers.com or click the link in the show notes after this episode to download my free recipes today. I just really love the way that you think and you're such a positive, positive influence on this world. Have you always grown up, like did you grow up always being that really glass half full type of person and always taking things in your stride or is that something that you did have to work on and, and evolved as you did as a human? So I grew up an only child and I think resilience has probably been something that has been drummed into me since day dot. Like, so my mum was told she'd never have kids. She had me. She raised me as a single mum. I grew up with my mum and my grandparents. I've always kind of had that hard work, tough love mentality instilled in me from an early age. And I think that's what really got me through, you know, the early days of my injury as well. I don't know if I... You know, like my memories of growing up were quite good, but I also remember that, you know, there was certain emotions and things that I struggled with as well. And I remember being in primary school and having, you know, therapy and and things like that, like always having somebody to talk to, always having that outlet to emotionally dump, which I think has helped me create boundaries within my life with people as well. So I want to say I've always been quite a positive person, but that goes without saying because I think we're at the end of the day we're all human we all have all have our our negative days and our negative times as well but I remember a really pivotal point when I was in hospital where you know I was in my electric chair my mum had taken me into the kitchen and I started crying and my mum was comforting me because I was crying and she said all the things to try and make me feel better. And I remember saying to her, and at this point, again, like no no movement at all from the neck down. And I remember saying to mum, I said, you know, 
I'm actually not crying for me. I'm crying for everybody else because I was on a ward where people had had strokes and they'd had, you know, brain injuries and things like that. And, you know, here I was, I still had my brain, my, like my brain and my mentality was intact. I still had my voice. So I could still make my own decisions. And I think for me, I've always been someone who is very perceptive. So in my darkest moments, I know that somebody's always experiencing something harder or more challenging. And that's where I guess I come back down to earth and I'm like, you know what? It's not that hard. <laughs> it's not that hard. So I think that's that's always kind of kept me being able to just keep on rolling. <laughs> that mindset shift of using, you know, perspective is mm. so powerful. And to think that you you know, in your darkest times and like, you know, you've experienced things that most people will never experience in this in this lifetime. And to think that you can still have that perspective of there is people worse off and using that to your power to, you know, have such a positive influence is so incredible. Like I really hope that you take time and moments to really realize how beautiful that is because you know there's people in very blessed situations that don't have perspective at all and still think they're hard done by and and, you know I do struggle like it's a great thing to have but I it has seen me struggle a little bit too with some you know with certain conversations and certain people because unfortunately we don't all have that perspective and we don't have that kind of ability to shift our mindset and it's sad because I don't want people to have to experience like this dramatic or traumatic trauma for them to be able to have those mindset shifts. But, you know, I have been known to be called, you know, not compassionate and things like that because people are experiencing things and I'm just like, snap out of it. You know what I mean? Like, and that can become quite frustrating for some people. Like I remember when I was in hospital because my mum and I were always really positive and we were always trying to talk to people and be like, this is what we're going to do and we're going to make these changes. It would frustrate people because they were like, you know, down in the dumps and here we were just being like, this is what we're going to do. You know, so it can be a bit of a catch-22 when it comes to clashing with other people's personalities, but I just call it my bullshit filter. And I hope that if people can take something from that, it is just how important that perspective is. And there is always something or a situation that is is worse off. And I obviously have never been through what you have been through, but I definitely think one of my my favorite mindset shifts that I've ever learned is to put things into perspective because, you know, it's so much easier to be that glass half full when you put your situation into perspective of what other people are going through and and going, you know, happening in their life and stuff like that. So, and it teaches us empathy as well, which is such an important quality as human beings. I think the most important thing to always remember is that every single situation is temporary. So like even our place on this earth is temporary. Everything has an ending, you know, good or bad. And I think that's been something that's always been able to help pull me back into perspective. Like, this is a really crappy time, like especially with what we're going through right now, again with COVID, but it's temporary. You know, it's it's not going to last yeah, forever. So true. It is so, so true. 
I guess something else I really want to want to touch on is, you know, following you online. I just love how open and honest you are with sharing your personal journey and and all facets of it. You know, you're so raw and honest, and I love that because I think it's so important in this day and age online as well. How did you personally become comfortable, or were you always comfortable with really having no fear to be able to be really open about your life and what's going on in your thoughts and opinions? I think when you are in the spotlight and for me, so social media started for me really when I had my injury because I had a Facebook page that a group of my girlfriends created that I could, once I was able to like type with one finger, it became kind of like my road to recovery journal so that people could keep up to date with what was happening within my recovery. And social media 12 years ago was nowhere near or nowhere what it is today. So it's been not without its ups and downs, let me tell you. And I'd be lying if I said I was 100% comfortable and confident sharing all the aspects because, you know, there are times where I get told I'm too much and then there's times where I get told that we're not seeing this side of you, you know what I mean? So I'm the type of person that I don't enjoy posting things unless they really come from a place of experience or passion, perspective, you know, emotion. So I, I can't write, just write a caption. like, And that's why I think I struggle a little bit as an influencer because, you know, I do have people that approach me because they want to work with me and things like that. And I'm like, I, I'm not that person. So it's hard because you've got to keep up with, you know, all these things that are social media. So you've got to keep up with the engagement, the insights and everything like that. But my social media was created again, like I go back to purpose. It was created to motivate people and to share my journey. So, you know, that's what I really just try and do. And if somebody doesn't like what they're seeing, they have the option of unfollowing, don't they? You know what I mean? So if somebody doesn't like it, they can unfollow me. It's as simple as that. It's so easy for people to pass judgment or, you know, like you said, you get called too much or things like that. People so easy to pass judgment without actually looking at woods and seeing like, where is that coming from in me? So it's always an interesting space, I think, online because if you are on there and you are sharing your journey, it is coming from at some aspect of vulnerable place because you're putting it out there almost to be judged and for people to take it how they want to take it in a way. Something that I really go into social media with is that I really, really try and not use it as a place for me to vent. And that's why I have that notebook next to my bed or I have my people and I see that so much with social media. Like I see people doing it all the time, whether they're influencers or, and that's fine, you know, like if that's their safe space, then by all means. But I also am very much understanding of the fact that opinions, like I always say this, but opinions are like assholes. Everybody has them. You know what I mean? And everybody's entitled to them. And if you've chosen to share your opinion on this big public platform, well, you do you, boo. Like that's that's up to you. But for me, if my opinion or my perspective is going to have a negative effect or result on people, then I will vent that to my personal people, not put it on my platform. So, yeah, what yes. really what you see is is what you get. And I try and treat 
my space online as my conversational space that I would have, you know, with my people as well. And now you did touch on, obviously, you do the motivational speaking, modeling, you're an influencer, and then you've got your own business. How do you juggle all of those different hats and titles? And I guess stay really true to your (laughs) own values and your own authenticity with all of those things going on. Look, that's still a work in progress. I don't have a magic trick for all of that. And it's a, honestly, it's a day by day and time by time case scenario because, you know, I am somebody who does get quite overwhelmed and anxious often because I do have so many responsibilities. I had this conversation with my mum earlier this year because I entered a relationship um, that I was having with somebody kind of over the Christmas break because I started to realise what things were serving me and what things were, were becoming responsibilities that I didn't need to have. And for me, that gave me kind of clarity and peace of mind and understanding to know that these are my responsibilities and I can't actually take on any more. So I need to learn how to set boundaries and say no because taking on additional things are the things that are amping up my anxiety and my overwhelm. And again, it comes back to being completely transparent with your people. Like my team knows that I come into work and I have my lists, I have my master tasks. So if they're like, Ray, we need this, I'm like, tomorrow, put it on tomorrow's schedule because unless it's like, you know, make or break, going to make or break the day, then it's, you know, tomorrow's duty. And I think that, yeah, just having that complete transparency with the people around you, but also very much yourself as well. So I actually heard a quote yesterday. I was listening to a podcast. I think Stacey June said it. And she said, you know, your intuition is your feeling and it never lets you down. So if I ever get thrown something and I'm feeling a bit off about it, then I just know straight away, like my intuition has never let me down. It's been when I haven't listened to my intuition, be it business decisions or relationships that I've really been let down. So this year it was learning to say no and being able to understand that if these things don't serve me and if I don't feel good about them, don't bring them in to the mix because that is going to end up with me being in a pile of tears on the floor with probably a block of chocolate and some dairy-free ice cream. I just love your awareness of what's not serving you and being able to set those boundaries because it's it's such a hard thing to do, to be completely honest. Like, And I actually get asked a bit on you know Instagram and that people will message me and be like, how do I set boundaries or how do I do this? And I'm like, for me personally, I think it just comes down to that awareness of what's serving me and what's not. Like, How am I feeling in a situation? Is having a busy social life with also a business and a young child and a marriage too much for me? Yes, it actually is. So it's like, mm. what's important? What yeah. are my responsibilities? Abilities, what balls can I drop and what balls can't I drop? You know, we all have so many responsibilities and they're all different. Like, no two people have the same responsibilities. The transparency is key. Having those conversations with your people and having those conversations with yourself so everybody can understand where you're at. Because, like we said before about you can't control what you can't control, people don't know what they don't know either. So, unless you're actually vocalizing how you're feeling, People are just going to keep throwing things at you. You know what I mean? So it all comes back to you. 
It's so true. And I had this conversation with my best friend a few weeks ago because I said to her, like, I just feel like I'm at capacity in my mind, like until, because we're living in an apartment at the moment and I feel like, you know, when your life feels cluttered, like we're talking about spaces and that before, like, I feel like there's so much clutter around me because of my environment, which will eventually change. And I'm, you know, staying positive with that. But what it's made me realize is like, okay, well, there's certain things I can control right now and there's certain things that I can't. And the environment right now, I can't actually control, but I can make what I bring into it and put on my plate. I can control that. So I was saying to her, like, at the moment, I actually only have mental capacity to focus on my business and my daughter because anything outside of that is almost too much for me at the moment to be taking on. And it was so nice just having that conversation and then her being almost, she was so aware of the situation and then said to me like, oh, I'm just so glad then, like I feel so much more grateful when you find the time to call me and to have a really big DM&M or something because I know it's like more energy that you're taking on at the moment. And so instead of her being in a place where she's like, oh my God, she never contacts me or it's always me reaching out, she's aware of my situation and how I'm feeling And so it's almost like she's grateful when I am taking the time and making that a priority as well. Well, you're validating her place in your life as well. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, it's such a beautiful way to look at it. But I really want to talk about intuition because you've touched on that and I bloody Mm -hmm. love the topic so much, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. What female doesn't love the topic? So true. But yeah, how do you personally strengthen um, your intuition and really tap into it to make those decisions when it comes to both life and business? I reflect on things that haven't worked out and things that have. I'm going to use relationships as my prime example because I think that I don't think I've ever been in a relationship that I have felt like it was 110% the right thing for me or that it was serving me completely. I have been married. I got married because I loved my ex-husband, but for me it was a, because I'd been through so much trauma, (laughs) I felt like it was my happy ending that I deserved because I was somewhere along my journey of life programmed to think that, that was the happy ending, you know, the, the, the happy marriage, um, the white picket fence and all of the things. But I knew, you know, like I knew that there was more to life than that, but I just rolled with the punches. It was funny because when I separated with my ex-husband, I felt really, really alone and I remember having a conversation with my best friend and she was like, Rhiannon, you used to tell me all the time that you you felt alone when you were married. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so right. So, like, you know, even in a time that I thought was great, I knew that it wasn't great. So I didn't listen to my intuition then. And, you know, that resulted in a divorce. My business, my spinal cord injury recovery center was at its worst when I was listening to the opinions and the suggestions of the people that were, I guess, my superior. I created this business based on me and my journey and what I knew needed to happen for the community that I was living, that I was living, I was breathing, I was thinking, I was feeling, I was meeting. And, you know, I had all these business people come in and throw their thoughts and opinions and and give direction in certain aspects. And I listened to them because, you know, what did I know about business? All I knew was that 
this place existed because of my injury. I was the one living the injury, but I didn't realize that my experience living my life was actually so much more important than the experience that they had being business graduates and and things like that because my business was based and created on passion, not on a bank account. So again, you know, I was agreeing to things that I knew, like my gut was like, nah, bad idea, bad idea. And yeah, it ended up being bad idea. So I made a decision at the end of last year with my business that I could see that a few things weren't working. I could see that a few people were outgrowing or not growing with the business. And I actually made the call and I and I put it out to my team and I said, you know, if you can't see yourself being here in five years' time, there's the door. I'll, I'll write you the best reference of your life. But my gut's telling me that this this place no longer serves you. So I did that and this year has been just amazing. The entire vibe has changed. My team, you know, has this newfound level of respect and love for one another. So again, like just working out or really, really making that list of what hasn't worked and why and what is working and why and coming back to that common denominator like this is working because you've actually listened to your gut and you've trusted in your first thought whereas this hasn't worked because this has been somebody else's opinion or decision or you name it. We all have this inner knowing inside of us. It's just like almost allowing ourselves a space to be able to tap into it and to listen to it. And it's like the more we're listening to it, the more we're strengthening it because we're, you know, we're trusting it so much as well. Like we're trusting those gut feelings and those instincts. So I really love your examples because it gives such a broad insight into, you know, both business and relationships and how we can be utilizing that intuition to really make those decisions that are best going to serve us. I say that as women, we're gifted our intuition because of all the other crap that we experience <laughs> being at periods, childbirth, you know, all the things. I say the higher power, whoever it is, whatever you believe in, has been like, here you go, ladies, here's intuition. That's your gift. That's your superpower. Do with it what you will. Yes. Oh my goodness. That is so good. And that is seriously, yeah. I reckon that's actually true. That's awesome. Yeah, but it's just such a powerful thing that we all have access to. So I love the topic so much and I'm so glad that you gave those examples. Do you have a quote or maybe a mantra or affirmation that you really live and breathe and try to, I guess, is that guiding light for you throughout your journey? I absolutely do and I have it tattooed down my forearm. So um, sometimes things fall apart so that better things can come together and Marilyn Monroe said it. And I have just been absolutely driven and motivated and inspired by that quote for as long as I can remember because I think that everything in life that we experience is an opportunity for growth and I don't think heroes are born, they're made and it's because of what we do go through and what we grow through together. Resilience is just such a key factor to life. You know, I was even saying last year when I was giving talks The fact that when we were hit with COVID, there were so many reactions up front that were without thought that, you know, I was seeing people let let go of staff and make, you know, poor decisions based on reaction. Whereas, you know, I was just kind of like, all right, this is an opportunity here. This is going to make or break us. And 
again, I guess it just comes back to what's been instilled with me growing up and going through what I've gone through with my injury and things like that. But I really just think that everything that we experience, we experience for a reason. And it's funny that I say that now because I remember being in hospital and I always come back to this every time I get asked this question, you know, when I was in hospital and I was completely paralyzed, the nurses and and people would say everything happens for a reason. And I would always say, you know what, you're really lucky that I'm paralyzed because I just want to come at you like a spider monkey right now. Like (laughs) saying that to somebody in a vulnerable position who cannot move is (laughs) probably, no, but it does. Everything happens for a reason. It's not about the situation. It's about the outcome. And that's why I say, you know, sometimes things fall together or some things fall apart so that better things can come together because we always have an opportunity to change an outcome. Mm. Always. That's amazing. I love that you have that tattooed on you as well of that, just that daily reminder, that daily check-in to keep, you know, your focus on that. That is incredible. (laughs) Rhiannon, thank you so much for joining me. I've absolutely loved chatting to you and getting to know you further. Where can people keep in touch with you? Where can they find you online? I'm at literally at Rhiannon Tracy, my real life. So that's all my socials. And yeah, be prepared to be spammed with puppy spam, cat spam, horse spam, uh, Tinder blunder spams. No, I'm not on Tinder anymore, so you can't catch me on there. But, you know, all the spam, but good spam as well. <laughs> oh, you are incredible. And I can't wait to connect um, in person very soon. But thank you for your time today. Oh, no, I can't wait. You're a true light in this world. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For any products mentioned in today's show, please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.